Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back after that commercial break. I uh, hope you're all uh, at home. If you're at home listening to this program safely or if you are still driving, that you are driving carefully because of this fog and that you will reach your destination, inshallah, safely. We're here talking about pregnancy. This is part of our pregnancy series. We're blessed to have, mashallah, Sister Aisha here with us, um, talking to us about the second stage of pregnancies. We, we ended before the break at around the 27-week period where we were looking at uh, the role of the midwife and we had given a lot of great tips in this the earlier session. Now we're going to move in, um, Dr. Aisha, we're going to move on a little bit to um, the, those growth charts that you were just saying about the measurements there. You measure the baby and the baby's growth. Is there anything else that parents should know about these growth charts? The growth chart actually is made specific to each woman. So you'll find the difference between women if they're sitting to compare. It's specific to the woman according to her height, her mm-hmm. weight and her ethnicity. And the reason is because someone who's five foot two mm-hmm. is maybe well is likely to have smaller children than someone who is six foot. So the ba- lady who's six foot has a two kilo baby, small for her, whereas mm-hmm. a two kilo baby for the woman who's five foot two is normal. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where this personalized growth chart comes into play. And we've got that in the West Midlands. We've, um, we've alhamdulillah, had the Perinatal Institute help generate this. So women will see this in their, in their green notes or purple notes or handheld notes. And it's very specific to the woman. Midwives will or doctors will mark it with a cross where there's a symphysiofundal height. So that's a measurement from the pelvic bone up to yeah. the top of the uterus. And mm-hmm. that will be marked with a cross. So that's the approximate measure of how we think the baby, how big the baby is, taking mm-hmm. into account everything else. Whereas scans, if you've had scans and you're measuring estimated fetal weight the actual kilograms of the baby will be plotted with a dot and a circle around it a bit like a bullseye Mm. so that's the difference between the cross and the dot so if you've just got crosses all the way through and someone else has got a few crosses and then a dot it's because she's had a scan Mm -hmm. and that's a scan measurement of the baby and there may be a difference between the cross and the dot Mm -hmm. but I'd say the dot is a little it's it's more um, appropriate it's more specific or correct as to what we're estimating the baby's weight to be. Great, wonderful. And that's done. How often is that done? At every midwifery visit or every visit that you see a health professional, you'll have your symphysiofundal height, so the crosses yeah. plotted. The scans will only be if you need a scan. And the reason we do this is if we're thinking baby's not growing as well, we'll be able to tell from the crosses not progressing up the okay. chart. Yeah. And that's where the midwife will then refer you into hospital if she thinks the growth is slowed down or there's any concerns with that. And then obviously the scan will take place to make sure what's happening. And the way the chart actually works is it it creates this, um, what, what, what the baby should weigh between. So like a minimum and a maximum, so mm-hmm. a 10% and a 90% of what the baby should weigh for, for your height, weight and ethnicity. So again, that's different mm-hmm. between different people. And ethnicities. So yeah, well, you mentioned ethnicities there a couple of times now. Why is ethnicities important? Do, do we have different skeletal structure, or research has shown that you know different ethnicities have babies and of different sizes. Oh. So mashallah, it's just you know one of the most amazing things about mm. having diversity there. Mm-hmm. So you know that has an impact on on the size of the baby. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the father and the father's size, ethnicity also has an impact. So if you've got a larger man and if you've got a big baby, whereas the woman is small, you'll find that actually, yes, if the baby's a little bit large, you could, it reflects on the <laughs> fact that it's not just a mom's genes, it's a dad's yeah, genes as yeah. well. But 
just because to make things simpler, they've kept it as the mum's chart because of certain socioeconomic problems that might happen with some fathers not being involved in the pregnancy or um, not sure of, you know, which father it is, etc. So mm. they've decided only to keep it as the mother's details on the on the growth chart. Okay, okay, indeed. But it is important to know that Very, as well. Yeah. Right, okay. So we are working then, we have, we've got all these measurements down, we've got the growth chart and we are assuming for our show that everything is going normal at this stage because I know the next show we're going to talk about next week is some of the abnormal things that can happen. So, But for, for this show today, we're going to talk about the normal things. So everything is going normal. Baby is growing, moving, lovely. Mother is happy. There is there's no blood pressure. There's no diabetes or problems or issues of it that might be diabetic issues uh, arising. And we're coming up towards our delivery point. So, what should we be aware of now? We're in probably our 30, say we're coming up to 37 weeks. Um, should we be aware of acting? Should we be aware, are we getting some contractions at this stage? Would they be labour contractions or would they be something else? You're, alhamdulillah, if you're coming to the end, you've got the likelihood of pelvic pain because the baby is going to be much bigger, pressing mm. down, a lot more joint pain and and pelvic pain than you would have experienced. Mm. So, you know, you're going to feel heavier. You're going to get what we call as Braxton Hicks. So mm. these are your practice runs, your practice contractions that your, your uterus does. Mm-hmm. And they occur as flutters uh, for certain periods throughout the day, sometimes several points during the week. Mm-hmm. So these are the practice runs. Um, they're your false labor, false contractions. They've been called lots of things mm-hmm, in lots mm-hmm, of medical mm-hmm. programs and on TV. But it's just your body getting a little bit used to what to expect. So you've got that coming up. And then with birth planning, I think most women are very um, very open to having different plans in their birth and mm. it's important to sit down with your partner and your midwife and say right this is what you'd like so you know what say you've decided to deliver in a midwifery led unit in the hospital yeah so you're low risk you know oh I'd like to have some aromatherapy I'd like to be able to go into the pool for pain relief but I don't want to deliver in the pool so if I find that baby's coming soon I'd like to go back onto the bed and you plan what you'd like. You know, I don't mind having a student midwife in the room because she's learning and she's going to be of assistance to the midwife. Um, I'd like to have some pain relief options available to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's very important to plan ahead and weigh up the pros and cons because at that point you tend to be a little bit more compromised than you are mm-hmm. when you're sitting at home and thinking things through. Mm. Of course. So it's better to have this already written down, discussed and planned of what you're going to do. Although you may change your mind. You might love the pool when you get into it and say, I'm not getting out of this again. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely true. And, you know, there's some women who are very, very um, adamant about having no pain relief and Mm -hmm. actually end up having all the pain relief. And there's Mm -hmm. no judgment to this. I Mm -hmm. think whatever gets you through pregnancy, there's no mummy shaming or pregnancy shaming or anything like that. I think if you need the pain relief, take the pain relief. You don't get a badge of honour for getting through labour with no pain relief. Um, Make your life comfortable if you need to. And if you find that it gets you through labour easily, because the more stressed out you are, the contractions aren't likely to come Mm -hmm. as easily. It's it's a bit of an inverse relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're nice and calm and relaxed, Mm -hmm. which is why we do all the things we do in Mm -hmm. labour to keep you nice and calm and relaxed in that circumstance, your contractions come nice, regular, um, as powerful as they need to, to get you to delivering the baby. 
Yeah. I'm glad you said that there's no regime out there, but, you know, I think women are worse to women, are really sometimes really bad, and and they do. There is sometimes that you hear women chat and you think, oh, your your maid feels inferior because you've had that epidural or you've had something. And, um, and then you think, okay, I, I'm not going to have that because, you know, this is the way to go through this natural language, show everybody that I can do this. I think, subhanAllah, you know, it's, it's like with most things in life. There's, there should, there ideally, should be no judgment. And uh, people shouldn't do that. But you do you do hear a lot of people saying, oh, you went through a 10-hour labor mm-hmm. and you had an epidural. Do you know, I went through 40-hour labor <laughs> and I had no epidural and I did it without any medications. And mm-hmm. actually, does it make a difference? You mm-hmm. both got healthy babies. Mm-hmm. You're both postnatal. You're both mums, subhanAllah, and that's the most important thing. There's no badge of honour. There's no medal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would be really odd if we gave out medals to people, <laughs> for people who had no epidural. Epidural, I think if a woman needs it for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and she wants it, it's mm-hmm. not even a question of needs it. If she wants an epidural because she'd mm-hmm. like to be relatively pain-free and get through labour mm-hmm. and have that have that for her, I think there's no harm in it whatsoever if she'd mm-hmm. want it. I mean... Even taking paracetamol has risks. As long as she knows the risks of an epidural, mm-hmm. then that's fine. And one of, uh, that actually brings me on to a main point. I think we have a huge misconception about having back pain as a long-term complication of an epidural. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to reassure readers that from a medical perspective, there is no long-term back pain associated with having an epidural. There is absolutely no statistic to say that. Um, you will end up with back pain and pelvic pain because you're your bones have stretched and your body's stretched and you've carried a baby that weighs a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have long-term implications of that mm-hmm. rather than it being related to the epidural itself. Mm-hmm. So if you need it, there's professionals there that actually can do it while you're in labour and make you very comfortable while you're in labour between the contractions and can do this so that... And there may be some circumstances that uh, you really should take that advice if you're being advised to have it. If you're exhausted, for example, you know, some mums say that 40 hours labour and when it comes to the time of trying to give birth she actually can't push because she's so exhausted Mm. that she's not able to push but if she had had an epidural where she got caught up in her sleep for a few hours when that time came she would have been awake and fully energised then to be able to push baby. Exactly and I think it's a little bit of forward planning and discussing. Mm. There's lots of pain relief options so um, if we address that now so you've got things Mm. like your paracetamol and Uh, your codeine or various mixtures of those Mm -hmm. and that can be used so that's just your oral tablets you take with a glass of water and you can take them actually if you're in your early stages of labor you're at home you're walking about trying to just manage with these contractions some women can take them whilst they're in kind of more advanced stages of labor as well Mm -hmm. you know every woman's different every everyone's got a different pain threshold Mm -hmm. so you know, that's one option. Then you can go on to have something called um, pethidine, which is an injection into um, uh, your leg mm-hmm. uh, and that or your arm. Usually they give it into the leg and they give it with an uh, with an no- anti-nausea tablet because that can cause a little bit of nausea and vomiting. Mm-hmm. And that helps just, you know, relax things a little bit, take the edge of the pain. And that works really well. You can have only a certain number of doses um, eight hours apart or so mm-hmm. it depends how soon you can have the next one if you're in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. You've also got the option of gas and air. Mm-hmm. So you literally just take it through a pipe in the wall or from a canister. It doesn't harm the baby. You just breathe in and out through it. Um, and it's fantastic. It's absolutely great. And I think the mums who possibly had this are nodding their head in agreement whilst they're driving, saying, yep, it was the best thing I had in <laughs> and, and I'm And I'm shaking my head because I actually hated it when I had it for one time. And I 
I thought my whole hands were swelling up and my whole, I could feel everything swelling up and I thought, oh no, I don't want that anymore. So I, I was the opposite actually. Yeah. That was just, I don't want it anymore. So it's probably either you like it or don't like it. Like Exactly. Women, yeah. And subhanAllah, it's uh, it's what what we call colloquially or even mm. um, in circles as laughing gas. So it's mm. your it's that mixture mm-hmm. and um, it takes the edge of pain away. Mm. You only have to take it at the point of contractions. Mm-hmm. The minute you stop taking it, it kind of gets out your system because you're not breathing it anymore. Mm. doesn't harm baby. And then after that, obviously, you've got your next option which is your epidural if you'd like it so yeah. you've got Marshall you've got lots of options to to work with mm-hmm. and you know there's some things that you can have at certain times gas and air you can have at any time as such mm-hmm. within the labor whilst you're mm-hmm. on um, delivery suite or in the maternity a midwifery maternity unit mm-hmm. with pethidine you can't have it around the time that you think the baby's going to be born because you don't want the baby to feel really sleepy with it because it tends to make babies and mums quite um, well not sleepy but it just tends to make them a bit more relaxed so you want the baby to be crying and alert when it's born yeah, so you yeah. can't have it right at the end um, mm-hmm. when you're about to deliver Okay so there is times like this that uh, it's very specific and the midwife or your doctor there would be able to guide you on that what you can have at, at different times mm-hmm. but if we start you usually start with the paracetamol first mm-hmm. could could you start with taking that at home um, before you go into hospital if you were you know if you were in Want to stay at home a little bit longer, not to go to hospital, but you you were in contact with the hospital. Would that be something that you? Absolutely, I think. And mashallah, women who do that actually fare really well because they're you know having a nice bath, having mm. a nice shower, walking around, um, keeping themselves fairly mobile. You know, using the support network at home, using a bouncing ball. You know, one of those um, gym balls. Yeah. So using that at home, um, and I think alhamdulillah, there's a lot that you can do at home because it's a very calm and relaxed environment. Mm. It's your home at the end of the day, mm. so you can get through. A lot of um, well, a lot of the first stages of labour mm. whilst you're at home and come to the hospital when you feel like actually I've reached the point where I need someone to help me. Mm-hmm. I need. I don't think I can cope. I need some help. And you, you think delivery is coming up soon. So again, mm-hmm. this is all for the low risk. You know, the mm-hmm. women who don't have medical problems, whereas the the women who have problems might be in hospital already. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're fairly low risk, you might find that actually I can cope a lot better at home. Um, your mum's around, sister, husband, anyone's around to help you through it. If you find actually that you've got kids at home and you can't cope with the early stages of labour, even though you've tried your pain relief, you want to be in um, at the hospital, you can call them and say, actually, I'm finding it quite distressing. My children are finding it distressing at home. Can I come in mm-hmm. and negotiate a plan? Good, good. Oh, mashallah. And when you come into hospital then, is there a special entrance you go in or do you go in the... Uh, so for going into the women's hospital or do you go straight to the women's hospital? Well, in the women's hospital, for example, you'd go in straight through the main entrance to the delivery suite. Um, there's, you know, you have the triage there. Yeah. Or if you've spoken to someone ahead of time, they might say, oh, just come in and present yourself to reception. They'll take you through to a delivery suite room or to triage. Uh, at Heartlands Hospital, you've got the triage area, the assessment area on delivery suite. So the, you, the if you are in labour, they would recommend you to come directly to the point of where you deliver. So if you're going to delivery suite, you go to delivery suite. If you're going to the midwifery-led unit, they'd say, you know, head, head to the midwifery-led unit, just buzz on the door and they will let you in, get you to your room. So, you know, inshallah, they'll, they'll direct you to where They'll direct you. So the idea is that you know all of these areas before you come to that point that you've had a hospital tour, that you've made a decision so you know where to go as well. And, and your your husband or whoever's supporting you knows where to go as well because at that stage maybe you might be thinking so straight. So Exactly. And I think, <clears> you know, Spanla, you, you can get quite... Um, it, there can be a lot of anxiety around mm. it. So mm. if you feel like you don't know the route... 
Mm-hmm. Um, do a trial run to the hospital. Yep. Make sure you know the route. You've got your sat nav. If you've not got one integrated into the car, you know how to go. Because the you know if your missus is in labour, she isn't <laughs> going to be able to read a roadmap at that point. So yeah. make sure you know how to mm. get there. Mm. Good, good advice there indeed. And then when we come in and we are going into the delivery suite and we, um, you're asked probably to change and then the first thing they do, I presume, is listen to the fetal heart and check that everything is okay. Well, they'll start with you. So mm. they'll start with your blood pressure, pulse. Um, okay. They'll do your checks and they'll come on to baby's checks and make sure you're both fine. Yeah. If you're on a low-risk unit, um, they'll just listen to the baby every now and again. So they've got certain protocols of listening into the baby whilst you're um, in the first stage of labour and then when you're about to deliver baby this they listen in more often at that point so mm-hmm. if you're low risk it's quite nice and calming whereas actually if you have if you, there's concerns you might listen to the baby all the way through labour and that's called um, a cardiotocograph and that just basically means a heart and a contraction trace mm-hmm. and so you've got two monitors on your belly one's for baby's heartbeat and you can hear it quite nicely actually if mm-hmm. you're sitting there and wants to check the frequency uh, of the contractions. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't tell you how strong the contraction is on the monitor. It just tells you how often it's occurring. Mm-hmm. And the midwife will feel your tummy, see how strong the contractions are. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways of monitoring you through labor. And I just say be flexible in case you need to move from one to the other because all the best laid plans don't necessarily go that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be flexible to change. Right, yeah. And we're coming then into having that examination that some mums actually dread more than the delivery themselves that I'm going to be examined and I'm going to see how dilated I am. I think there there tends to be a lot of anxiety again with that. Mm. And um, the most important thing is to relax because if you relax, the midwife or the doctor who's examining you can actually find out the things they want to much more calmly in a in a better way and then it's not like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're anxious and they're trying really hard so it's hurting more and then you're getting more anxious mm-hmm. so you know th- what they want to know is is the cervix which is the neck of the womb opening up is it likely that the baby is heading lower down are the waters there are they broken which way is the baby facing there's lots of different things that they need to know and the calmer you are although it's not a pleasant thing definitely to have mm-hmm. but the calmer you have are the better support network you have at that point the more information we can find out to be able to help you make decisions you need to oh, good yes so it's important that you are relaxed there for for this and then you go, You, if you haven't had your pain relief, you might, this is where you exactly. might you have your pain relief, you may have your epidural. There's a period of time to have the epidural, is there? I mean, they, they do say you can have it at any point, mm. but obviously if the baby's literally on its on its way out, <laughs> um, you probably don't have the time to sit up and have an epidural put into your back. Mm. You're wanting to just push the baby out. Mm. So I'd say, you know, your midwife's your be- best advocate. Um, consider what the midwife is saying, what the doctors are saying, if you happen to be on delivery suite, and then take that advice on board. If you do feel like, you know what, you don't want any tablets or injections or gas and air, you just want an epidural and you're a little bit more advanced, four or five centimetres um, dilated, then, you know, ask for an epidural and get it put in at that point because mm-hmm. you know you want it. Mm-hmm. They won't put an epidural in when you're two centimetres mm-hmm. um, necessarily because you're not actually in the active stages of your labour. Mm-hmm. So you need to be in the active stages of labour with the regular contractions, um, you know, obviously needing that level of pain relief because mm-hmm. it can make you, some, some of the doses of the epidurals make you a bit immobile, so you're lying on the bed. And 
ideally activity, movement, the right positions, leaning forward, bouncing on the balls, walking around the bed a little bit um, are some of the best things that you can do for your baby because it helps gravity, helps that baby come down. Although we do deliver asthmatics in that lying down position, the best thing that you can do is be mobile through yeah. labour, as well as mobile as you can be because you've mm. got a baby there. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And and you just uh, reminded us there that I think there's a mark of a four centimetre mark by where they count, a lot of hospitals count you as being in labour. An active stage, you're right, mm. an active stage of labour. So obviously you can't say that at home, but mm-hmm. if you feel like the contractions are coming very quickly, mm. then, you know, seek medical help because it might be that you've moved from what was two centimetres to six centimetres mm-hmm. and you, we didn't know when you were four centimetres because that happened yeah. somewhere in between. Yeah, 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 indeed. And if you are in doubt, go and have it checked and the midwives are really good with this and checking you out, as you said, and, and then they might tell you to go home and uh, have walk around like this at home and come back to us in a bit. Yeah, I mean, and there's no harm in that, subhanAllah. There's no harm mm-hmm. in going back home. If you find that you're getting the early stages of uh, labour contractions and they're regular, but mm-hmm. they're milder, mm-hmm. or they probably don't feel very <laughs> mild, and the midwife says, actually, you've got a little bit of time possibly to go, mm-hmm. go home, have some rest, have a nice bath, relax, come back in when you feel they're getting stronger. Um, there's no failure in that. There's no harm in that. They're just trying to make sure that you stay calm, you're relaxed, and you're in the best environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go home. Have a nice cup of tea, enjoy your last few moments at home without the baby and then come back into hospital when you need to. Okay, good. Good advice there. And so we assume that we're actively in labour. We're five, six, seven metres dilating nicely. Everything is going to plan. It is the 10 10 centimetres that we need to reach to. Yes, we need to reach full dilatation, which is 10 centimetres. And that's the point where we say you're fully dilated and and now we're waiting for the head to descend or come Mm. lower down and then deliver. So... Mm. um, you know, that's what we call your your second stage of labour. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting for the head to really deliver. Um, mm-hmm. And subhanAllah, every woman's different. Some women actually do the first stage and the second stage so rapidly you don't know what's happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas some women just take uh, a little bit longer. With women who are having the first baby, you'd expand that, expect that stage to be a little bit longer mm-hmm. than women who are having maybe the second or third or fourth child. That, that would be hopefully, inshallah, a, a lot quicker than mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would expect that for the first time, it you know it would be a little bit longer in in pushing st- than after that. And so, what roughly how long would we expect uh, that pushing for say for a first time mom? Um, you can, I mean, there's some guidelines on this and what's allowed in second stage, but on average, you'd expect you to go from fully dilated to having a baby for without um, without any epidural, without anything. You're expecting one hour for a woman who's had a child before. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've not had a child before, you can, it's expected within about two hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's nice guidelines for somebody that may be listening to us that really don't know this. They're in the very first stages of their mm-hmm. first pregnancy mm-hmm. and they're just wondering about this. I know it sounds like an eternity, mm-hmm. but time passes so quickly. And once you've got that bundle of joy in your arms, subhanAllah, you, you don't even know where your day is gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. Everything is forgotten after that. It's it is. It's, and women, uh, women forget the pain, which is why we yeah. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and again and again. <laughs> MashaAllah. So we're getting through. We're, we have that. We're thinking now that everything is going through for normal delivery. Um, some mums you hear have an episiotomy. Some mums don't have an episiotomy. Maybe we should just mention about that before the end of the, the show today about episiotomies. 
An episiotomy is a cut to allow more room for the baby to come through. Mm. And in the old days, everyone had an episiotomy. Mm. And that's not the case anymore. It's only if it's indicated or required to allow um, for baby to come through. And I think that's a ju- judgment from the person delivering you. You can say, oh, I don't want an episiotomy. But actually, if you say you don't want an episiotomy and we're not allowed to make one because obviously we can't assault uh, a patient, mm. you end up having a bad tear, which is much worse to repair, has huge ramifications on the bowel function, which um, mm. the tear can extend to. You know, that's more detrimental to the woman itself. So if, you know, speak to the midwife and say, you know, if I need an episiotomy, um, you know, if obviously make one if necessary but if you say you don't prefer to have one that's fine but if you find that it's necessary at that point the the midwife will say to you that look I think you need to have an episiotomy I'm going to make one put some local anesthetic in and make it we would never ever make it without any pain relief Mm -hmm. we would never cut anything without any pain relief I think that's just sheerly barbaric Mm -hmm. so it would always be some local anesthetic exactly the same like you have from the dentist that's Mm -hmm. in your gums so it's that anesthetic let that settle in let the area go numb and then make the cut if necessary Great, wonderful indeed. And then we assume we've done that if necessary. If not, we've had a delivered out the baby. And here we have a healthy mum and a healthy baby at the end of this programme today. Inshallah. <laughs> Inshallah. Uh, will you be able to come back to us next week? Because next week I'd like to talk about some of the difficulties that might happen during pregnancy. Some of the things that uh, some of our listeners may be going through at the moment, some abnormal health issues. So if that's okay, if we go through that next time, are you okay to come back inshallah? Inshallah. Look forward to seeing you then. Inshallah. Inshallah. Listeners, thank you for listening in today. Inshallah. I hope you enjoyed today's series. And if there is any questions that you'd like to ask uh, Dr. Aisha, please do email studio at unityfm.net and we'll pass on all the emails to her inshallah. And I'm sure, uh, inshallah, if you can find your a little bit of time, and I know you're very busy, Dr. Aisha, just to, to respond that back to them, we'd appreciate it. My pleasure. Jazakallah khairan. Thank you so much for coming in studio. Assalamu alaikum, listeners. We'll see you next week, inshallah, when we continue with the series. Assalamu alaikum.